This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How are you doing? It is uh, your boy, Jonathan Macri. And, of course, regular co-host for these beginning-of-the-week episodes, Jeremy Cohen, um, here with another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Jeremy, how are you doing today? You know, I'm fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I was, truth be told, I was really looking forward to this past week. Um, I was supposed to go on a work trip to the island of Grenada. Okay. And we were going to do a podcast, or sorry, we were going to do a watch party for the Knicks. We were kind of planning something. Uh, at least you, I knew you were and you told me. Yes. Um, for the Timberwolves game. So that seemed really exciting. And I actually I had a pretty significant birthday. And it was uh, all something really to look forward to. And, you know, everything happened. Obviously, not in Grenada. There was no watch party. Um, didn't get to celebrate the birthday I was hoping to with friends and family, but I, I got an, a wonderful day and it's been, it's, it's like such a first world problem, right? It's, it's, so I, I <laughs> went out when, and out being to really awesome nature reserve and, um, uh, my parents had some, they made a cake, which was delicious. And then my, uh, they called up my girlfriend and some friends who all sang happy birthday to me. It was a really awesome day. So um, I'm really good. I'm really happy. Well, a couple things. One, you just talk about first world problems. I got somewhat visibly upset uh, earlier when I realized that um, my local Domino's was not, uh, for whatever reason, they, I guess they didn't have a delivery person working or what, whatever the case may be, was not delivering to my house. Um, so we had to slum it and use one of the frozen pizzas that we, we had ordered several of them. Um, with our massive food delivery like a week and a half ago. So yeah, talk about uh, first world problems. And second of all, more importantly, um, I am, <laughs> I'm, I, I, in my defense, I'm terrible with everybody's birthdays. I can never even like remember the exact day of my mom's birthday. I think it's October. I think it's 19th, but it might be the 20th and there's a small chance it's the 18th. So I, <laughs> but I feel like you've told me your birthday and I just forgot. So what, what day was your birthday? Uh, it was the fourth. It was the, so it was yesterday. Yeah. Holy shit. So I'm not that late. Um, no, well, no, not at all. Let me, um, I think I speak for uh, all the listeners of this podcast when I say happy birthday. Let's see. You said it was a significant birthday. Um, I don't, I don't think, I think you already had your sweet 16. If I remember, I, well, I was going to say it's actually, I was really bummed because uh, I was supposed to have my quinceanera and that fell through. <laughs> Are you 25? Yeah. 
Dude, uh, okay, we can, we're not gonna get off off track because we we have an actual really good podcast to get to. But um, I could I could tell you, twenty five is it's a good it's gonna be a good good time. And once we actually get out of the house and you're, you're about to start <laughs> like doing stuff again, twenty I'd say twenty five to thirty is twenty five to thirty is good, and then and then things. Honestly, as long as I keep my hair, I'm happy. Yeah, no. It's, hey, listen. Um, everything else is gravy. Okay, so I said uh, I was excited to do this podcast because I I legitimately am. Uh, because you know, and look, I'll be honest with you. There are times where it's like I don't have a real clear idea of what we're going to talk about, and I'm like, all right, well, we'll you know we'll slog through it, and inevitably we find something you know vaguely interesting to discuss. But this is an idea that I got from. My favorite podcast to listen to, which is oddly enough, has nothing to do with basketball. It's called the Big Picture Podcast. It's uh, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. They did, um, I think it was about a week and a half ago, uh, the top 35 uh, actors and actresses under 35. And they, uh, the two hosts, um, Sean Fennessy and Amanda Dobbins, shout out to both of them. They're awesome. They ranked them ahead of time. They did some honorable mentions. Um, and then they, they got into the list, uh, which is exactly what we're going to do today, except this is a, a basketball podcast. So we're not going to talk about actors and actresses. We're going to talk about basketball players, but I, I kind of liked the idea of doing like a certain number under a certain age. Um, the number that we agreed upon after a little bit of a minor back and forth was that we would do under 23 years old. And I think our logic in this, or at least my logic, and Jeremy, feel free to chime in here, is that there's still kind of, and I think this goes for goes for almost everybody on this list, even the people that are really, really good. There's still kind of like an unknown factor with when a player is under the age of, of 23. Um, like the guy you mentioned when I first was like, should we do 23 and under? And you mentioned Ben Simmons. And it just, I don't know. To me, it didn't feel, for what I think we're going for here, which I'll explain in a minute, it didn't feel like Ben Simmons was like appropriate for for this conversation or Donovan Mitchell for for that matter, or like um, DeMontis Sabonis. Because what I want to do is, instead of focusing on like how good these guys are right now, I'm more interested in like how how valuable of a piece are they? So, you know, listeners of this, I'm sure a lot of them, a lot of you are familiar with like the old Bill Simmons trade value columns. You could kind of think about it like that. Like how valuable of an asset is this young player? Um, And I think what makes it interesting is obviously they're all young um, and there's still some uncertainty. So based on anything you want to add to the the basic premise of, and we're going to do 23. So it'll be 23 under 23 with some honorable mentions. Anything you want to add, Jeremy, that I left out? Yeah. I guess um, the one nice thing about having players who are all under 23 is they're all guaranteed to be on their rookie contracts. That's and, you know, I mean, a player like Ben Simmons is, but he also has already secured a max contract moving forward. So, yes, obviously there's plenty of room for him to grow. And the one thing, at least um, I'm willing to admit, is if you had something that was 23 players, 23 and under, um, there's I don't see Mitchell Robinson making that list. But I think that by changing that narrative, this is a Knicks um, podcast after all, 
that it does give him the opportunity to kind of slide in there. Maybe you might disagree, John, in so, terms of if he's on that list or not. Um, I'll, I actually have a a very different take on this, which I'll save for when we get to. Well, maybe I shouldn't spoil it when we get to when we get to some of the names on the list. I'll, but I'll, I'll save it for that. Anyway, continue. Yeah, but essentially, you're right. Um, we wanted to do something where it's younger players who maybe haven't had as much of an impact in uh, more time. I mean, you can you look at a player as well, like Brandon Clark, right? He's only a rookie, but he already is now off of the list before yeah. we even were able to do it. So there's great talent out there that's that's above the age of 22, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's like, sure, we could have Donovan Mitchell on this list, but it just bumps off one player that we could be talking about yeah. that maybe isn't um, quite as noteworthy. Yeah, or or I guess a better way to say it is we could have done a list that made Donovan Mitchell eligible. Um but right. yeah, it would have it would have been a different I like I said, it would have been a different type of list. Um the one thing I will say is I, I am and again, correct me if I'm wrong if you know off the top of your head, um I I think the only player that and it's this isn't a spoiler as far as him being on this list, but the only player that we're gonna talk about today um that uh, was um, not in one of the last three NBA drafts um, and uh, is uh, Brandon Ingram uh, because everybody else from the 2016 NBA draft is has already turned um, at least 23. Um, which I, or at least, yeah, I mean, maybe there's someone in there that we is just not that good um, that I didn't notice, but I, I'm fairly certain that Ingram is uh, the only one or actually, no, I'm, I'm sure that he's the only one that made our list. That is, that is from that draft class. And uh, I'm not even sure that anybody else from that draft class um, is, uh, is, is eligible. Um, Ingram, by the way, uh, will I'll should probably should say this, but yeah, he doesn't even turn 23 until September. Okay. So um, before we get to our honorable mentions, we're each going to talk about two honorable mentions really quick. And then we will, uh, um, get into the list, but some names that I just kind of wanted to mention um, is that I thought were like worth noting just, you know, because people are like, oh, how could you not think about so-and-so? So here are the other names that I thought of um, in reverse order. Uh, Jackson Hayes, Kevin Herter, Mark L. Fultz, Jared Allen, Zach Collins, uh, Anthony Simons, uh, DeAndre Hunter, OG Ananobi, and Tyler Harrow. Um, let me ask you of everybody I just mentioned, who's the guy, if you think there is a guy who you think people listening to this will have the biggest issue with that was not either honorable mention or on the list. Um, maybe Tyler Harrow because of how, how good of a, um, tertiary piece he's been with, with the shooting. That's, Um, that's mine too, because like, there's a real, very solid chance that Tyler Harrow ends up with a better NBA career than like, or like, let me rephrase that. Being don't, a, don't say RJ Barrett. Well, no, I'm, a, I'm no, I'm actually gonna go further than that. That being a more useful piece to winning teams than like half the guys that we're going to talk about right now. I just think for me, at least I, I couldn't put him as an honorable mention because I just think there's, I, and, and look, maybe this is unfair. Cause he, again, he is young. Um, you know, it's, there's kind of a ceiling on on what he's going to be. That's kind of why I have him here. But yeah, I I thought Fultz for a second. I don't know. Is the is the bloom off the rose on Fultz already, or is there still 
I don't know. I think that um, he has a chance to be a serviceable player, no doubt. But for anyone who thinks that he has the yips and life kind of goes on, he he, he has TOS. Um, I've got a, a really good friend whose sister has the same uh, condition, and uh, he's a huge advocate for it. And I was talking with him. I think I may have even mentioned this on the podcast in the past, but he said that basically the nerves and what happens with, with your body, it just it doesn't it doesn't go back to how things were. Um, and Marco Fultz is doing a great job of resurrecting his career, and I'm really glad that he's in a different situation. No, for There's sure. A lot less pressure in Orlando. And, and their offense was really starting to do well towards the end of the season, or at least towards the stopping point. Um, there's a, a nice chunk of time. But, you know, other than, than that, there are certainly concerns about what his ceiling can be. But uh, he's not – he's never probably going to eclipse what he could be or even uh, scratch. Oh, yeah, that. no, but, that's – But if you can get a not. rotation quality player and add some nice spacing around him, then – you're at least talking about someone who can be productive. Yeah. I'm, but it's a shame. I'll obviously. be very curious to see what he does next season and then how his, his restricted free agency goes the year after that uh, or the summer after that. Um, okay. So let's get to our honorable mentions. Um, I guess I'll, I'll go first on these. So my, my honorable mentions are uh, Jared Culver and PJ Washington. I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch a whole lot of Timberwolves games this year, but I was fairly high on Culver coming out of the draft. Um, and I, the Wolves are one of those situations this year that I'm not sure how much we should really read into like anything that went on there. But I also don't think he did anything to completely like tank his value. And then PJ Washington's a guy that I really like. I almost put when I first, so the way we did this was I sent Jeremy, my list of 23, he made his changes um, and then we, we basically agreed on a, on a, you know, something, um, it, Washington is a guy, I think at one point I may have had it like 21 or 22, just cause I think he's like, I, he's a good player right now. Um, and he's, and as we're going to, I'm sure talk about as we get further up the list, he, he like plays a position that I think there's a real premium on just like getting cheap talent. Um, at the spot, even though he's a four, like he could play small ball five. So I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a fan of PJ Washington and I would not be surprised if we did this list in a year. Um, although I, I should probably check what his age is and I'll, I'll start reading out the ages when we, uh, when we actually do the list, but, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's higher. Um, you want to talk about, uh, say anything about either of my guys or just go right into your two? Yeah, no, PJ was a very nice addition for the Hornets. Um, Again, I, I'm not entirely certain how much he'll break out in terms of being a, a core piece, but I think he's definitely, especially for based on where they were picking, he was a really solid um, addition. Uh, Culver, yeah, you know, he had he's he's a little bit older, at least for a rookie. He is. Um, that's true. He didn't have a great year. I'm curious to see how he does with the trade that was made. I, I would imagine he'll probably continue coming off the bench. But he's going to likely not play ahead of guys like or a guy like Beasley. Um, I mean, maybe he, with Wiggins gone, he, there's some ability to play there too. So it'll be a really interesting thing to follow. But yeah, I, I was a little disappointed with what he was able to do because I also was higher on him. Like, for example, fit aside, I, I feel like he was a better talent than a guy like DeAndre Hunter. 
And then even then, Hunter probably went too high to begin with. But. Yeah, that he, yeah, and and which is why he didn't even make our <laughs> our honorable mentions. Yeah, um, um, yeah. So yeah, uh, your two guys, you want to go into them? Sure. So my two guys are Garland and Lonzo Ball. Um, so the thing with Garland, I like the reason I'm even. I was kind of debating on if I wanted to make him an honorable mention or not. Was he really didn't show anything at Vanderbilt because he got hurt. And then he came back and he was not very good. And he started to get better, I want to say, January. And the problem is that he and Colin Sexton are poor fits together. <laughs> you don't uh, say. <laughs> yeah. So it's it'll be very interesting to see who Cleveland pri- uh, prioritizes. And I'm also fascinated by what they do in this draft. I mean, obviously, where they pick is very important, but... You likely have – I can imagine them going best player available because they could probably trade one of these guys anyway. But, for example, um, if they had a player, right? Like if they were lucky enough to get LaMelo, I imagine they would consider taking him. But you're kind of dealing with a similar situation in that you're just adding players who, who are <laughs> – you're adding players who – I mean, Lonzo, uh, LaMelo can obviously play with the ball. He can pass very well. and he. But, but defense is one huge issue as well. Again, you take the best talent available, but you do have to sort of consider building a team and not just collecting assets the entire way. By the way, so, we should also say Darius Garland is a full year younger than Jared Culver. Um, and he he just turned 20. So to in your defense, he is um, you know, super young. Yeah, very, very young. Yeah. And oh, not to mention um, 35% from three this year, whereas Culver was uh, a slightest possible tick under 30%. So, yeah. 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 So, and my second guy is Lonzo Ball because he's obviously fallen over time. His value has dropped quite a bit. He, um, it's nice to see that he's not as injured because that was certainly an unfortunate concern with him. But I know that, and John, I know you're a huge fan of this idea. I obviously am as well. And I'm sure a lot of fans are too. But, the Pelican shooting coach, Fred Vincent, has done such an incredible job uh, altering Lonzo's shot where he actually can become some sort of a shooting threat. What he's, able, what he's been able to do with Brandon Ingram, helping him make that jump, have been phenomenal things. His name's Fred Vincent. He would be a phenomenal addition to the Knicks staff. Obviously, any shooting coach who has some sort of track record would be good for this team. But just what he's been able to do with two players who seemed very lost in LA and had a really awful season considering how, yeah, you get LeBron. It's fantastic, but just so, so many issues were then swirling as a result. And it was, they basically were sitting ducks in the sense that everyone kind of knew that they'll probably get shipped out in some manner. So um, it's been nice to see him come back and I'm sure that Zion will only make him look better as time goes on. But yeah, I, I just um, I don't know. I, I couldn't I couldn't put him in, I couldn't put him in my top twenty three. But I still feel like you could make a very valid argument that he's better than a few of the, the players that we're going to name. The more you're talking about it, the more I think we already fucked up um, by not probably. by not putting him. Not forget about the tw- the list. Probably in like the top twenty or maybe even close to the top fifteen. He's up to thirty eight percent on six and a half attempts from ga- to, per game uh, from deep, and this is a guy who. I'm not sure you could find in, in Lonzo Ball a player who has had 
more it seems like he's been around forever and yet he's midway through his third NBA season he's he's had to go like imagine going from a year just like being a regular old rookie to a year having to adjust to life with LeBron and then a year in a completely new city new team new ecosystem the whole thing um you know change the shot as you talked about yeah we we probably that's my bad I I I had him in the something tells me if I had him on my list of in the original list I sent you, I, maybe you wouldn't have fought me. I wouldn't have taken him off. Um, especially since this is a good opportunity to get into the actual list. Um, the guy we have at 23, um, and actually I should say the guys that we have at 22 and 23, which maybe we could talk about together, um, have not, like, to say that they're both question marks is, is really putting it lightly. So let's, well, maybe we'll talk about them together. 22, we have Cam Reddish. Um, 23, we have Rui Hachimura. I, I, so again, full disclosure, these are the two guys I had Culver and, um, Garland on the list that I originally sent to Jeremy. He put both of these guys on. I think it's probably the right move because Rui, if nothing else has shown that he could score, um, at this level and be like a, a threat. Um, defense is, uh, <laughs> bit a of different, story, <laughs> different story. <laughs> And Cam is, uh, I, I mean, do we, do we know what Cam Reddish is at this point? I, I don't know. I mean, he fell the tenth in the draft, and like, has he done anything to make us convinced that that was the wrong move? I don't know. So with Cam, my big concern with him at Duke was, all right, it's fine if he's going to be a third option. Someone has to be of the three of them. But if you can't be a good catch and shoot player, then how can you thrive? In, especially on an NBA level. And he didn't really do a very good job of that. But the reason for that with this year was he played so badly in the first month. I mean, historic levels of, of bad. But in the last 15 games, for example, he shot 46.9% on catch and shoot threes. Oh, His defense is fantastic. Okay. Um, basically, there, there are signs of life from him. And I will admit, so um, a good friend of mine is a big Hawks fan. And he talks up all of their players. So I try to fine tune a lot of what he says. Uh, like he's huge on DeAndre Hunter and I am absolutely not. Um, you know, like he thinks Trey Young will be the next Steph Curry. And I say maybe, but he's also have to have, has to have the team around him in order for him to blossom like that. Um, so with Reddish, I think what he has said is admittedly rubbed off a little bit on me. Um, I do try to take it with a grain of salt based on his optimism, but I think there's more to it. I'm glad obviously that the Knicks didn't, take him but i think he's better than than the first impression we got and for rui you know he it's tough for him because he had his testicles absolutely obliterated um way to put it bluntly yeah no it was it was an awful shot to the nuts and he hit a rookie wall before the season ended this is a remarkably small sample size I mean, in general he did hit the wall but um the last four games that we saw before the break he was shooting 26 percent, and he had Two over games. Yeah, like, it was like six. the back to back before he played the Knicks, right? He, had, yes. he was like over fourteen or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was right. You know, he scored double digits in thirty of the forty-one games that he's played. So offense is fine. It's it's that defense yeah. of how the team's net rating was six point four points worse with him on the floor, um, and that was the worst of any Wizards player who had played over a thousand minutes this past year. So uh, and, and he's really good in transition, but so were the Wizards. So is he causing that? Is he um, a result of that chicken and egg situation? Probably the Wizards just a very good offensive team, which they are. And 
their transition game is benefiting his offense. But um, yeah, you know, I'd probably put Lonzo ahead of both of them. The more that I talk about I, it, yeah, but. I think that we we like look, mea culpa. Um, we we just probably not enough minutes spent on this. Um, we can oh, listen number one because we know that they're going to be more. It's our it's our list. Fuck it. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's now turned into a twenty four under twenty three. Uh, we're sticking Lonzo at at uh twenty two unless we decide to move him up again, and then Rui and and Cam can occupy their places. Um. Uh, a little uh, two spots down. And we should also say, by the way, um, Lonzo Ball, 22 years, 161 days. Rui Hachimura, 22 years, 57 days. So for as much as Lonzo has been around, again, seemingly forever, him and Hachimura are essentially the same age. Um, and very close to not being on this list at all in about uh, 200 days. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, okay, so I love how, I love how we're correcting our own mistakes. Here's what I will say. For me, at least, with the exception of one more guy that you moved way up, um, and I'll, I'll let you handle that, I feel pretty good about the next 21 guys in terms of, like, the, I, felt, I, there, I felt strongly that there was definitely, like, like Cam, Rui, Washington, Culver, Garland, even Lonzo. I'm like, yeah, you know, throw them all into a pot. The next guys we're going to talk to I feel good about Starting with the guy we have at 21, who, again, you pushed a little bit lower than I had him, um, is Laurie Markkinen. And, look, he it was not a good year. Um, he did not shoot it well this year. Um, he got injured. Um, did, you know, we, we don't... It's like kind of, kind of a little bit the, the Porzingis problem with, you know, except Porzingis, if he swallows it and plays the five, like, he'll be fine. Um, Laurie, you can't even do that. Um, unless you want to just give up everything because he offers no rim protection. Um, we don't know that he could guard fours. I get all that, but I still believe in the shot and I believe in his ability to do some stuff on offense. And I don't, I think the entire Chicago situation this year was an utter disaster. Um, and I would just love to see him on a different team, perhaps even the one that, um, we talk about often on this podcast. Um, so yeah, Laurie at 21, um, anything you want to add about Laurie? Yeah, I second that. I hope for his sake that he finds somewhere new to go. And seeing as that the Bulls are looking to change their personnel director, it would not shock me at all. That's a good point. That's a good he point. were traded out. Another huge thing is, and this player is, is also on our list, but recently Wendell Carter Jr. said that he wants to go back to being a four. He, oh, was a four his entire career and I did not know five with the Bulls. Yep. So as you're saying with Lowry, um, if he can't guard fours, especially on the perimeter, and if he can't provide any rim protection, and if Wendell Carter Jr. is able to become more of a four, then Lowry takes a back seat at that position. I think he's just, he's a fish out of water. Things don't seem to fit. The injury concern is another reason why he's much lower on this list. I, I want to be fair because I feel like Boylan really didn't do a great job with him. But at the end of the day, you know, like the best ability is availability. So yeah. if he can't help himself and I, I don't really see a situation where seven footers tend to get healthier over time. Like we saw it with Patrick Ewing. It, it has happened with other players too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and maybe we're just very familiar with, 
the fragility <laughs> of Porzingis. Yeah. But- I- that's unfair to put that of course on on anybody and look look if it, it, isn't, it is and it isn't though because the fact that um up until i guess really you could say where porzingis tore his acl um lowry has has played approximately that many games yeah. and he missed more than kp did um so again it's and kp was a, a much more talented player and is a more talented player so and, I and guess and guess what? Dallas bought low because of all the shit you just talked about. And look, we'll we'll see how it turns out. But my my only point is that if there is a true buy low opportunity, like a real buy low opportunity on Laurie, I I swallow all that stuff um, and I, I take my chances. But I yeah, I if it's a deal that's too good to pass up, then yeah. sure. I mean, like if they said, hey, we'll take on. Dennis Smith Jr. and a second round pick, the Hornets pick for Lowry. Then, oh my God, you'd be saying, "Yeah, of course." You know, we'll, we'll drive Dennis Smith yeah, Jr. there. We don't. We don't need to worry about that because that's uh, that's not going to happen. And, and right. regarding the the Wendell at the four thing, we I didn't mention him in the the names worth mentioning, but Daniel Gafford, I, I think, could probably be a decent starting center in the league, and um, he's the he's the backup center on the Bulls. Like that, that would be interesting to me. Wendell and, and Gafford actually playing together. I, I'm gonna think about that some more. Okay, um, you want to talk about number 20? Sure, no reason to skip it. Huh? Um, so 20 is where we have Mitch, um, Mitchell Robinson, 21-year-old, tw- excuse me, 22-year-old center, just just turned 22, um, of the New York Knickerbockers. Here's all I'm going to say about Mitch. When you said before that doing the list in this way allows us to get Mitch on it, I actually thought, something completely different, which is that if we were ranking the 23 players in terms of like how good they were like right now, I actually think the guy who would have a better chance of being left off would be Barrett because I think Mitch is, I, and I actually think Mitch would be higher than 20. And the reason I, I personally have Mitch as low as he is, is because of the issue that, and we don't need to belabor the point because We've talked about it on several podcasts, including a few recently. Um, Mitch is with Clutch, and Clutch wants to get their clients paid. And um, Mitch could continue to progress and be a wonderful player in every way, shape, and form. And there's still a chance that his next contract will render him not like a guy you don't want, but a guy that could potentially make building a roster a little bit more challenging um, because of the things that he's just, you know, he's never going to be able to do. So do you think people will be pissed that we have Mitch at 20? I don't think so. Um, I mean, you know, maybe some who are, who watch him far more than some of the other players, but uh, I, I do disagree. And we both love Mitch. We should say we're, we're like, we're high on Mitch and what he could be which is why I wanted to specify this is more about like he's a year away from getting paid. So that's, yeah. Yes. I would say you admittedly are higher on Mitch than I am. I am. I'm low on him. Um, I do disagree with in terms of RJ because, you know, this is a league that is dominated by wings. RJ, I guess, I guess you could essentially call RJ a wing. He creates, he's a wing. he can shoot and space the floor. Uh, and the concern I have with Mitch is this whole year, Basically, if he doesn't, and I talked about this with Sean Farmer, and, and you know, it just seems kind of obvious from watching him. But if Mitch doesn't bulk up 
and get bigger. Sure, he's 22 years old, of course, but you almost you have to expect him to take that jump in his third season. A lot of players tend to do that third year in the NBA, and the fact that it's a contract year would also encourage it even further. But because it is that contract year for the Knicks, they have to evaluate what he will be, not just what he is now um, going for next year. That's fair. And that's going to be a very important piece. Of course, the one thing the Knicks could hypothetically do, I don't know if I would recommend it per se, but if absolutely necessary, the Knicks could guarantee his his fourth year, not making him a free agent in 2022, and, or in 2021, make, pushing his free agency until 2022. Which makes him then, an unrestricted free agent. Correct. And then trading him to another team if they really wanted to do that. Because, I, I, again, maybe not the most preferable option, but I think it's one that we don't really talk about because, sure, the Knicks would lose their matching rights, but it's not like he could be completely lost um, for that fourth year where he'd be making what is effectively um, one – I'm trying to do the math here um, – one sixty-second of the proposed salary cap. Yeah. No, I, I, but, like, again, like that's just showing how you, you can lose value on him, uh, but you can also gain it in another way. Like, listen, it, Leon Rose, um, like if you're, uh, if you're listening, just like make a decision now. Like don't, don't let this like linger on like they did with, with KP. Like if you're going to trade Mitch, his value is, I, I, I think personally, his value is never going to be higher than it is right now. So, um, or the, I should say this, this summer, um, I don't want to do that. I, I, I understand the logic, but no, um, I, I also think he's going to be a special, special defender, uh, if he isn't already. All right. The next two guys, I think we can talk about together. Um, I originally had Kobe white lower. We ended up putting him at 19. Um, and I originally had Colin Sexton a little bit higher. We ended up putting him at 18 and looking at it right now. I, the reason I was like, yeah, you know what? That's fine. Um, Cause you, you moved white up and, and moved Sexton down. Is there really that big of a difference between these two guys right now? They're both like not really a point guard, but they handle the ball a lot. And you know, the shot is there, but at the same time, nobody's ever going to confuse either of these guys with, you know, Steph Curry or Trey young. Um, I, they, this feels right. Um, having them, about here i think you can argue that we could since they're guards and as you just implied this league is dominated by guards and wings that maybe we that we could even group them together and put them a little bit higher perhaps ahead of the next three guys that we're going to talk about who are very different types of players um i i, I also think it's worth noting there's a chance that colin sexton is like not going to be is it going to be like a really detrimental player and a guy that like actively makes his team worse because he does require the ball in his hand so much. And again, I know he ended up shooting it up. I'll pull it up right now. Um, a pretty decent percentage from three this year, but like, I don't know. Like, I feel like we've already seen a decent amount of Colin Sexton. Uh, he just turned 21. So he's not that old. Uh, 38% from three this year, 40% last year, but not a whole lot of volume. Uh, do you have, I don't know. Which of these, gun to your head, which of these two guys are you taking going forward? Kobe White, probably. Yeah. Eh, yeah. I, don't, I don't blame you. But, but I, wouldn't, I wouldn't love either of them. I, yeah, that's the thing. I don't want either of these guys on my team at what it would take to trade for them. Um, yeah. 
Well, I think I've said it before. My favorite joke from the 2019 draft was when the Cavs took Garland and someone said, it's like as if the Cavs had Steph Curry and Monte Ellis, but both players are Monte Ellis. (laughs) It's kind of fantastic. And it's, yeah, I get it. You know, Kobe White, I think Kobe White will probably be the reason why Zach Levine isn't signed to his next contract in Chicago. I think another reason is the fact that new management. I was about to say, depending on who they hire, priority number one is probably going to be trading Zach Collins. Sorry, Zach uh, Zach Levine. Excuse me. Right. And so I could see Kobe White filling in for him in that way. There's still questions as to if he can be a lead guard. Colin Sexton has similar questions. Um, Interestingly enough, Sexton was very much unleashed, at least from an individual level, after um, Beeline was let go slash quit. He had 19.8 points per game on 46, 37, 86 in the 54 games before the coaching change. And after that, he scored 25.5 points a game on 53, 43, 80 shooting. So that's interesting. uh, 11 games. That's worth noting. maybe, Maybe it's some sort of hot streak. Maybe it's the player that was being held back by a coach. Neither of them to me scream winning players if they have a significant role. So um, I think it's very easy to lump them together. But I, I would take Kobe White over Sexton long term. Yeah, and we're well, I'll I'll save it for when we talk about him. because uh, you just reminded me of something else with, with RJ. Um, okay, let's let's do another grouping. Um, start to maybe go through some of these a little bit quicker. So we have at seventeen Marvin Bagley, at sixteen DeAndre Ayton. And at 15, uh, the aforementioned Wendell Carter Jr. Um, I was <laughs> I was about to say, all three of these guys are, are centers. And yet, you know, Bagley, there's some question about, is he going to be a center long term? Should he be the, the four? Aiton, we know, has enjoyed playing the four. And as you just said, Wendell Carter Jr. apparently wants to get back to playing the four. So who the hell knows what position these guys are? But they are, they are big men. Um, and they are big men in... I, I don't know what exactly traditional big man means anymore. I, I I think to me, all of these guys qualify in some way, shape or form as like clo- something close to a traditional archetype of a big, like none of them are, are KP, um, so to speak. Um, I'm put these three in a bucket and like pick them out. And like, if you told me like, yeah, this guy is going to be the one who clearly far and away is going to be the most desirable of the three in two or three years, I'd be like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. Um, of any of these three, do you think anyone is going to come back and make us look really stupid for putting them this low? Um, man, I would say less Bagley. It's not because I, I don't think Bagley's talented. I do. Um, well, there's a reason we put him below the other two guys. Exactly. Yeah. But also, and you guys were, ta- you were talking about this with Chris on the last podcast. He's supposed to be shorter than what he is. That's what at least the rumor is in terms of his measurement, okay. where he's like supposed to be 6'10", 6'11". He might be closer to 6'8", which obviously would impact what he's able to do. He's got that um, fro, man. He does, yeah. He sure does. Fro. And, you know, with the one thing with Bagley, too, is, and this is really, it's going to hang over his career for the rest of his life, or the uh, rest oh, of his career. Yeah. The fact that he was the pick before Luka Doncic. It's, it's not his, obviously it's not his fault, but it's not. It is what it, it is. With the territory, you know, it's yeah. like everyone. This but is a, that, a but that goes for Aiden too. Like, of course, not, you know, it's but like the difference is the difference is Aiden went first overall. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, Aiden went. 
Aiton should have probably. I just wonder if that's Luka. worse. I, I mean, I look, know, we're, we're picking mids here, it. but yeah, I, it's not good for. It's not going to help either of these guys. Could we just so maybe, maybe it's just me, but um, and it's a shame. I mean, the, the Olympics were supposed to happen this season, this summer. Obviously, they're not. But I've always looked at the gold, silver, bronze as gold. You know, you're the best. Number one, take it with you. Um, if you're third, if you're bronze, you you medal. That's awesome. <laughs> Silver's the bitch. If you're silver, how did you yeah. not play? That's you didn't, fair. Like, you're not low enough to feel like you. That's the way I look at it with Marvin Bagley. And that's whether it's fair. fair or not, I will admit it may not be. No, that's fine. Um, and at least to Aiton, because Aiton is not going to be the best player of the three of them. It's it's going to be and is Luka Doncic. So yes, it it at least in my opinion it hurts Bagley more than it does um, Aiton. With that said. Um, I do like Wendell Carter Jr. the most out of all of them, but I think it's also that the expectations as a result are lower for him, being that he was seventh overall, whereas from a first or second overall pick, you are expecting perennial all-star or at the very least um, one all-NBA for second or third placing at some point in your career. And that could still happen sure. to these guys. But and, yeah, it also pisses me off because Aiton... Yeah, this is a world ruled by nepotism. But if Aiton doesn't go to school in Arizona, and if Sarver, their owner, isn't so bad and from Arizona and went to the University of Arizona, then it doesn't happen. The pick let, doesn't occur. Let me say this: because was Doncic's coach in yeah, uh, Slovenia, the national team with Igor uh, Kosla. Ko- Kokoshkov. Yeah, thank you. Um, let, let me say this for Aiden. He, I, um was at the I covered the Suns Knicks game at the Garden this year. He absolutely tore Mitchell Robinson a new asshole. You want to talk about, you know, taking a guy's nuts and whatever whatever the language was used with Hachimura earlier. Like Oh, obliterated his nuts. Yeah. Yes. He absolutely ate him alive. Figures. And like Aiton has a chance to be a, not a good offensive five. He has a chance to be like a special like not towns or or like Jokic, obviously Jokic has the passing, but like Aiden has a chance to be really, really, really good on offense. And it's just, I think it's just a tougher, a tougher fit. Um, unless, you know, unless you're going to like even Embiid, like Embiid's, you know, obviously as probably the pinnacle of what an Aiden archetype could be. And there's even like issues, you know, with him and Simmons, although Simmons is probably the odder fit of those two, but like you, you get the point. Um, yes. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. All right. Wendell Clark Jr. is also a phenomenal pick and roll defender as a role man. Wendell Clark Jr. is—he's gonna like help teams win for the rest of his his career. Like if he can stay healthy, he's yeah. he's a very good starting big. That that said, I I don't know. I probably I feel a little queasy about the fact that we have Aiton below him. All right, let's move on. Let's get into the top fourteen. Um, fourteen, we have Michael Porter Jr. Um, I put him here. You didn't disagree. I just, you know, and look, the guy, he averaged seven points a game this year. It was the what I think Nick fans felt the pain of those, you know, occasional highlights that would pop up on Twitter. Um, but there was also a lot of inconsistency and there was actually a lot of people in Denver who were like mad that, um, what's his face? Not Mike, Mike Malone? Am I imagining Mike that? Malone's good, yeah, yeah. Mike Malone, um, like wasn't playing him towards the end um, of the or before the season got shut down. 
to me, he showed me enough. Um, I don't, yeah, I mean, it's, he's tantalizing and I think there's a chance that he's going to be a really special player and yeah. Anything else we need to say about him? I was always concerned that if he's not, if his shot doesn't fall, how is he going to impact the game? His shot, and, was, his shot was falling a decent bit there in Denver, right. I feel like, this year. Even when it wasn't, he was still finding ways to become an impactful player. But again, my biggest concern is injuries. His and, family yes. is made of glass, unfortunately. <laughs> his brother, um, I think, has torn his ACL twice. We, I mean, that's not even saying that Michael Porter Jr. with his whole back fusion seems... Hopefully, for his sake, that the surgery is working. But um, his sister tore her ACLs, I'm not exaggerating, five times. Yeah. His family is very injury prone. And when you're six foot 10, six foot 11, and you already have some sort of back issues and you missed your first season, sure, maybe you could have played, but certainly took it slow. There's reason for concern. And uh, so that is my principal and primary uh, reason for why he is where he is exactly. All that said, he had a 10-game stretch in January where he was almost 15 points a game, nine rebounds, uh, assist and a half, a steal and a half, nearly a block a game, under a turnover a game, 51% from deep on four um, threes a game, 48% overall from the field, um, 86% from the line. Um, was a plus 6.8 on average uh, over that show. I mean, like, he's, if he's, it, again, huge blinking red light if he stays healthy, but if he stays healthy, like, he's he's going to be really good. Um, okay, we're here. Um, number 13, RJ Barrett. Um, I think that there are probably... If like I don't know how many non Nick fans that listen are there that listen to this podcast, probably not very many, but I could see someone listening to this and be like, "Oh, that's funny. He's uh, ten spots too high." And then there's probably a lot of Nick fans listening to this podcast who are like, uh, "What? No, that's that's crazy." Here's my thing, um, and this is relates to something that you said before about how valuable is a guy that needs the ball in his hands. Um, if he, I don't know if this is exactly what you said, but this is what I'm. I'm relating it to how valuable is a guy that needs the ball in his hands if he's not um, a plus shooter. And I don't, despite the fact that he ended up, uh, I should know this off the top of my head, but what did he, what did he end up like? 31% from three, 32% from three. Am I close? Am I way off? I think I'm pretty, I think it was close to 31, but I'll check for you. Uh, At 32 on the die um, on 3.5 attempts per game. And I should say that, um, let's see, what did he take? How many threes? 197 threes. Uh, probably 195 of them were wide open. So it's also worth noting. Um, if he doesn't get to the point where he is a, you know, uh, 37, 38% shooter from deep, I'm not, I'm not sure if we can have him in the conversation with the guys that we're going to talk about after this. Because then in that case, he needs the ball in his hands to really have value. And he's not a point guard. And he's not a guy that could be a primary engine. He's not that kind of shot creator. He's not that kind of finisher. He's not that kind of athlete. Um, If the shot comes, I think it changes everything. And like it comes in a real way. 
And I do think there's a chance he obviously gets better at finishing and like all of the things that I just mentioned. And like, yes, of course you can get better at shot creation. Um, I just think that there is a real, despite all the things that we saw from RJ Barrett this year and loved, I think there's a real, a very real floor outcome that can't be ruled out to the point that like, with the exception of maybe one or two guys that we're going to talk about in a second, um, I don't think there's a, like if the Knicks called up like one of the teams that owned or that had the rights to one of the players ahead of him on this list, I think they would get the phone hung up on them. Um, that's why I am like even queasy about having him at 13. Where, where are you coming down? Yeah. Um, he could probably be lower. You know, I mean, the, my, my half baked idea as to what I imagine the Knicks will try to do next summer, 2021. Um, I could see them trying to do something – I mean, just forget that for a moment. But if you were to compare it to something like what the Nets did, them thinking, okay, RJ is our Karis Liver type. That's, and Karis Liver is immensely, immensely valuable. Right, exactly. So, And they're also probably going to trade him in the offseason in a package for make, a third star. Yeah, well, he's making a little too much. But see, that's the thing. It's At least with RJ, it's um, – what you're saying is that he could be hopefully the third best player on – a really good team but i mean you know maybe he's more of a second best player that would be ideal but if you if the safe option is that he's that third player then how the hell are you going to find those first two players it's going to take work because it'd be so much easier if you were in the position where you're you found your even your second guy like definitive second guy and then you have you're just tasked with finding one player who's better and filling out the rest of very good um, starter level, maybe lower ceiling, but high floor players. But it seems like for that's kind of like a best case scenario for a lot of the Knicks players that are currently on the roster. So that's, that's my other thing where the duo of RJ and Mitch is when you look at the young players and the young duos of, of this league, they're, they're very much middle tier. And if you're hoping to have that fixed and try to have a great trio and, or at least a, a great duo where one of those two guys gets swapped out and this pick gets put in there, it doesn't seem like but this is the draft that happens. And it's fine if it doesn't, there's still time. There's no <sighs> clock, but it's, um, there needs to be better homegrown talent than what we're seeing with RJ. But yes, but they're, they're, but we have to add a caveat to that. They're middle tier because neither of them has the ceiling of the top seven, eight, nine, even 10 guys that are on this list. And that, and we both acknowledge that. That said, if you gave me one of the top seven guys on this list and put them with, and, and put them with, uh, RJ and Mitch and just gave me two shooters. I don't even care what the positions are. Just give me two shooters who are smart. Like that's probably RJ's best skill is his intelligence, the way he thinks the game, the way he sees the game. Like, I know he doesn't have all the passes in the bag yet. And like, I did a whole, you know, um, column on his passing and how like he was really uncomfortable, like passing on the move. He liked to stop and plod and then make his pass. Like I get all that. He's also 19 years old. Like I, I do think that there is a world where he is the, you know, the nominal second best, I'm using air quotes right now, player, on a on a team and that team could be really good. I just think like like you're alluding to, that's not going to be easy to do. 
Um, right. You know, and that, and by the way, that player ain't coming in in this draft, which is what makes it, you know, even more, um, even more complicated. That said, gun to my head, I'd probably rather have RJ than the guy that we put at twelve, who's John Collins, which is probably a slap in the face to John Collins because we should note that John Collins is um, averaging. Uh, where is he at? He's he's twenty and ten or twenty and or excuse me, 21 and yeah, 21 and 10 um, with a, an assist and a half a game um, block and a half a game guy shooting a 40% from downtown. I, I, I mean, he's a, he's a four, right? He's a four, which kind he's of, four. yeah, which makes it a more difficult conversation, but like John Collins is really fucking good. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no. the two things that John Collins has to an advantage, to his advantage, Are one Trey is Young. playing with Trey Young, <laughs> yeah. uh, who is probably a top three passer well, we're gonna, in the we're, NBA. We're, we're going to get to him soon. And two is that the dude did performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so, like, yeah, if you pump RJ full of testosterone. You don't need and, it, though. You don't you need it. Yeah, but, but, you know, like that's the thing where if you put a lot of these guys on – on some yeah. performance enhancing drugs and there's a possibility that their games would be like, you know, if you put, if you put RJ on what John Collins has, then, and he's able to do better, then we're going to be more hyped about him. And then it controls the, the narrative completely changes here. Right. Yes. John Collins without the drugs would be a very good player, but maybe we're being a little bit deceived here in terms of what he can do with everything flushed out of the system. But Hey, he did his time. We're moving on. Hopefully, he doesn't do it again. Oh yes, yeah. don't don't, don't, don't do drugs, Sean Collins. Um, same thing for DeAndre Ayton. We had him, right? Yes, like, yeah, no, that's true. And and we should also note that Collins is um, one year and roughly two hundred fifty days older than RJ Barrett. Um, you know, he's another guy that's like kind of almost aged out. Um, another guy who I have to look up his age right now, but I think uh, he will be aging out uh, relatively soon. Um, yeah, 22 years and um, 185 days is Jonathan Isaac. Um, I think like um, this is like this is the he's he's the last guy that we're going to talk about that like is not doesn't have the ceiling of like secondary offensive piece on like a championship caliber team or uh, for a lot of these guys like primary piece uh, um, in terms of offense. But he could probably be the best defender in the NBA um, for at some point in his career. And it's not like he can't do anything on offense. I mean, the guy averaged um, 12 points a game this year. The, the three, the three point shot is still not there, which like, again, that kind of hurts his ceiling, but um, yeah, I really like Jonathan. I I don't know. Again, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe swap him and Collins, but this to me, it, it doesn't feel wrong, right. To put him here. No, I, I think he's right where he should be. I love his versatility. I think he will make numerous all-defensive teams as long as he stays healthy. His offense is certainly a work in progress. Um, you know, he's like he's a very pious man. So, <laughs> did you say very power, pious? Yeah, you no, know, he's he's very um, he's very religious. So he seems like someone who's very committed to what he can do. The power of Christ is with him, yes. and I think that he is just a great player. But well, it hasn't been with him quite enough. He's been a little injury prone. Just throwing that, that out is, there. That is true. Yeah, yeah. but you know, I mean, 
said, well, you're more biblical than I am, but there's Andrew could probably tell this. Or someone else. There's like there's going to be some sort of um, great phrase in the Bible about triumph and perseverance, and that to me is Jonathan Isaac in a nutshell. That's but you know what? Yeah, he, he doesn't to me. He still needs to take one more step in order to become that top ten player. Unfortunately for him, he's going to age out of our little list before that even happens. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm high on him. And look, um, here, I don't know how you felt. Um, to me, there was no debate whatsoever about maybe actually I shouldn't say that the num- number 10 is, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. If you wanted to quibble with me or, or Jeremy about Jaron Jackson Jr. should be below Collins, below Isaac, like, I don't know, maybe. I guess you could make an argument that he should be below Barrett. I, I don't really see it. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is, is awesome. I don't, I don't think we need to talk about him. Like, we know what he is. We know what he's going to be. He's just like, he's a really friggin' solid guy who's going to be able to play five and, like, do a lot of things to help teams win. I don't think that there's any discussion that anybody in our top nine should be outside of our top nine. So before we get to those nine... It, do you agree with that? Or is there anybody who is like, there's a conversation about? I do agree. I would also just like to point out one important distinction that of these nine players, seven of them were taken in the top five of their draft. Look at you. Oh, it never misses a chance to, ha- to, to sell his bag of goods. Jeremy Cohen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, give him a round of applause. I'm a lot of things. I'm not a lot of things, but one thing I'm a lot of is consistency here. <laughs> Lots of good. Okay. Trade um, up season, baby. <laughs> okay. Um, number nine. And I feel, I feel really badly about putting him at number nine because I love this player. And um, if, oh my God, if things for some reason went sideways in Sacramento and he were on the table, I, you, you thought I was like, I mentioned stupid things to give up for uh bogey. Oh my God. Like just how many unprotected picks do you want, Vladi? Two, three, four. Can we give you four? Can we give five? Um, I'm obviously being a little facetious, but the Aaron Fox is, I think he's fucking awesome. Um, I know his three pointer went down this year. I think I'll look it up right now. It, it's, it was not good. Um, I, I just, I, oh God, I, I can't even talk about the Aaron Fox. I just really, I love everything about him. He just screams to me like, yeah, this guy gets it. And like, no, he's never going to be the best player. 30% from downtown this year after 37% last year. He's never going to be the best player on a championship team. But like, I just, like to me, this is a guy that screams that he will be leading like part of teams that will go deep into the playoffs at some point in his career. Maybe not in Sacramento, but like at some point. Um, anything else you want to add about Darren Fox? I feel bad for him because... No, no, no disrespect to Sacramento, but the truth is, if he were in a different market, oh my god, I think that he would be. Can you imagine if he was in New York? Yeah, no, he would make the Garden so enjoyable. But I, I almost don't even want to go there because the odds of it happening are. Yeah, let's don't let's not tease ourselves yeah, or anybody else. His his shooting definitely dropped. Um, his free throw shooting also a bit. I mean, he was never really great from the line, but it's in kind is of seventy percent. He gets a line seven times a game, though. Right, and he drives up a storm to the point where it's awesome to see. And he's he's just an exciting player. The defense. He's like that, yeah, he's like um, – the, the archetype here is not correct because they're very different styles of play. But I look at De'Aaron Fox, and I think that 
if you were to put him on a team, his his um, level of excitement matches someone like a Damian Lillard. Again, not saying no, no, I don't. But in terms of like, you could build a culture around that guy. Yeah, how electric, how awesome everything is offensively, and how he makes the players around him feel so much better. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I could wax poetic about him for quite a long time, but I think it's fair that he's nine. Yeah, it's a shame because. Well, listen, let's, I mean, I think it's going to become clear why. Um, let's talk about the next two guys together because I almost feel like after them, it's a different tier. So eight is Bam uh, at a bio down in Miami. Um, probably the best NBA thing I've read this year was Zach Lowe's profile on him around the All-Star break. Um, if anybody hasn't read that, I would, and you're, if you're interested, even if you're, I mean, if you just, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll enjoy that piece. Um, it was really good. He's going to be really, <laughs> he's going to be so fucking good. Um, and seventh is uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, again, you know, painful um, to put him this high, but I I don't know that we could argue, like Bam, like his game speaks for himself and like you, you people are already waxing poetic about the effect that he has on games. Um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander averaged uh, 19 points a game this year. Um, 35% from deep. Uh, he's really fucking good. Uh, anything else you want to add about SGA? Um, yeah, he drove quite a bit and that certainly helped him. I think also playing with Chris Paul was a tremendous impact on his game probably. Yeah. For, for Bam, I didn't read the piece because honestly it hurt a little too oh, much. Oh dude, you gotta, well, did I've, you, did you hear I've about skimmed. the snippet for about the Knicks in there? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's why I didn't read it. I have skimmed <laughs> some of it and his work ethic is off the charts. He's such a good pick and roll defender. Another thing that really opened up his game is his passing. Yes. And yes, like, yes, again, yes, yes. I look at someone like Bam. F- five assists a game. I know. It's Bam. Nuts. But I look at him and I look at what his work ethic is. And then like, that's what I look at when I see Mitchell Robinson. It's like, can Mitch become anything close to Bam? Uh, it's going to start with getting bigger and opening up your passing game more. And so Bam is a perfect model in so many ways for what I hope Mitch can accomplish. Also, just just one more point, because I know you and Chris talked about this in the last pod with Frank and Mitch in terms of, um, you you were less on this, but it was more Chris's talking point with uh, kind of like felt like polar opposites in some way. I think it was, um, it was mostly effort focused. At least that's, that's what I walked away with where it's like, they're both very smart players, but it feels like Mitch might sometimes take some plays off because like he'll be so focused on going for the block. And Frank used to try to go more for steals, but then he shifted more into limiting his opponents even more. So just while while the segue it reminded me of that topic. But um and, and just regards to Bam also, to be clear, like that dude is worth twenty million dollars a year. Like no questions asked. Um, More. Oh no, I, I'm saying like as a minimum. Like if you, yes. like whatever to put any number you want after the two, with, and like yeah, that guy you pay that guy. Um, he's a center that you you give the money to. Um, but you know again, Mitch Mitch is not there yet. Okay. Um, I only I don't think that there's much to say about the top two guys, even really the top three guys on the list. I think the last really. Not that it needs to be long and drawn out, but conversation that we really need to have is about number six, and that's Trey Young. Um, 
I had him at five and I felt a little bad at, I, I, thinking back and I was like, eh, should I put him, have put him at four? You dropped into six. Can we just name some, give some numbers here? Um, 29 points a game. Uh, was that third, fourth in the league, whatever it is. Uh, 9.3 assists. Um, second in the league. Uh, 4.8 turnovers, which if, if it's not first, it's gotta be close. Uh, so that's not great. But gets to the line uh, over nine times a game, which is, again, obviously among league leaders. 36% from downtown on 9.5 attempts per game, which you're like, eh, that's not great. Um, Luca is at 31.8 on 9.1 attempts per game. And in terms of, like, Trey taking those shots that, like, oh, man, that's a terrible shot. Luca does that, too, occasionally. That's just, like, it kind of comes with the territory. The difference is Trey makes some of them, or more of them than Luca, I should say. Um, there's, like, it, so why do we have him six? Is it is it purely because he might be the worst defensive player in the league? Is it because we're not, despite the assist totals, we're not sure how much... Because like, okay, let me let me posit the question to you in this way. Luca, you watch him and it's like, oh, that that guy is LeBron James-esque in terms of how much he elevates the play of literally everyone around him. I don't get the same sense watching Trey Young. And I think even more than the defense, that's why I'm like, I don't love having him at number six, but I'm okay with it. That's pretty much it for me. It's a huge defensive flaw. You know, we, these guys will learn. I mean, if Trey's lucky, he'll make the playoffs in time for his fourth season as things progress. Yeah. I think the sky's the limit for him offensively. I think he's going to be a top three, top five MVP candidate in his prime. I think he could easily win an MVP. My concern, and this is almost in some ways similar to LaMelo's concerns for at least for me but i look at trey and i'm concerned that he's maybe not a winning player he's a really great shooter great passer makes teammates better can i jump in really quick and yeah, and because again i i'm the one who just made the argument um hawks with trey young on the floor minus 4.9 points per 100 possessions trey young off the floor hawks Minus 12.2 points per 100 possessions. Yes, their defense gets better by um, nearly 10, or excuse me, um, nine points per, nine point something points per 100 possessions. Their <laughs> offensive rating when Trey, this is almost, I can't even say this without laughing. Their offensive rating when Trey Young's on the floor is 111.2. Their offensive rating when Trey Young is off the floor is 95.7. Yeah, no, you like it's sir. That's that's ridiculous. But it's that's the thing. It's it's more that he still makes the Hawks better. I'm just not quite sure at what point uh, he'll be. When you talk about winning championships, is what you're getting at. I think. Yeah. Or you know, you look at D'Angelo Russell and the Nets postseason, and how he he was. They couldn't hide him, and so he eventually was played off the floor. And sure, the thing with Trey Young is if his shot is falling, if what he's able to do in terms of pulling up or driving, pick and roll, whatever it may be, pick and pop, he'll find success. But I yeah. still do wonder if, like, can you have a player like Trey Young on the floor in crunch time minutes? And you could say, <sighs> if the Warriors can have Steph Curry, and say, so, yes, 
100%. But one, I think it's, we're not quite there yet. And tra- tra- Two, Steph is like- have the right players around yes. him, which is exactly what I was saying to my Hawks fan friend, which is, sure, you've got a great player, but you need your Draymond, you need your Clay, you need other guys who can be supporting pieces. And until that happens, I'm going to be more skeptical on Trey's ability to win, and that's why I have him at six. And and we should say Steph Curry is a legit six three one ninety. Trey Young is listed at six one one eighty. I'm happy to call bullshit on both of those numbers. Um, I just I don't think either of those are real. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but okay. So, well, let's, let's get into why he's at six. Number five, we have John Morant. Well, okay. No, this was the one we were going to say. So this is where we, we flipped. I have John Morant at four and Ingram at five, Brandon Ingram. Um, you have Brandon Ingram at four and John Morant at five. So I'm, I'm going to toss this one to you. Can you in 30 seconds or less defend putting Brandon Ingram, who is again, um, nearly, you know, he's, he's a few months away from getting paid a a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And we're talking about these guys as assets, um, putting him over John Morant. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I just talked about, and like, it's hard for me to say about Trey, oh, he's not a winning player. His team can't really get over the hump with him. And then you turn to someone like Brendan Ingram, who has only been on bad teams. So it feels hypocritical to go in that sense. But the difference there is this is a league that's dominated by wings. Um, Ingram has the length. He has the scoring prowess. He is now a great shooter in New Orleans. Um, His playmaking is underrated. He's able to do more, in my opinion, at least moving forward, because of skills that that Trey Young can't acquire. He can't get longer. He can't get much taller. And so as a result, yes, I think Trey is probably the flashier player. Well, no, I'm talking about Ja. Okay, so with, with Ja... That's the thing. It's a little bit harder to dictate. But again, I, I think it does go back to wings. But with Ja, at least, he's leading his team into a playoff spot if the playoffs even happen. And that's remarkable. To be able to do that, and that's certainly why I had him over Trey, to be able to do that as a rookie is great. I guess the one thing that I'm always concerned about is when Ja falls, I always hold my breath. He does fall like a newborn baby, which is just like his legs turn to jelly. But I'm so, so worried that at some point he's going to have such a thunderous dunk that it's going to potentially hurt him. Like, you know, the camera issue that he had where he got himself hurt with his back, that was very unfortunate. But that's also the risk that is potentially it's riskier for him because he's such a high flying and explosive player that he's going to put himself in that type of a situation. Um, Obviously, you could certainly make an argument of having those cameramen back. Same thing with like the Paul George incident when the stanchions were moved forward for USA basketball or for FIBA versus the NBA, which is a little bit further back. I guess that's the thing with me. It's that jaw does have more of a winning component. And I do understand that it is a little bit hypocritical to say that because of that, I'd put him lower than where Brandon Ingram is. But man, I just, um, I just look at it and as good as it is to have John Morant on your team, I'm still very skeptical that your best player on a championship team can be a point guard like that. You can certainly contend with John Morant, but but then again, who's to say Ingram is going to be that wing that will I, put another that's, the top? That's so. the thing. And 
and my argument for Jaw is simple. It's like Ingram is a fun is is a funky fit, right? He, like he's like look, he's not a point guard. He's a he's a he's a wing that can handle the ball and could do stuff with the ball. And yes, he could shoot it, but it's not. It's just like the easiest player in the league to figure like or easiest archetype of a player in the entire league to figure out how to build around is John Morant. Like it requires literally zero thought um, to figure out how to build around that guy. Assuming the shot continues to be there. And again, same caveat um, that we've talked about a few times. And listen, he was nearly 37% this year. Not a lot of volume, 2.4 attempts a game. We saw, you know, Darren Fox. We, there's a reason he's as low as he is, and that's because the shot went in the other direction this year. So I get it, but oh man, um, yeah, I, I, I would take, I would take. I just again, similar to, I just, I, you know what? It's a guards league. You say it's a wings league. I say it's a guards league. I guess maybe that's that's ultimately where we're we're coming down differently. That said, uh, number three is a wing, and um, boy, we might be insulting him by putting him this low. Can I read you Jason Tatum's uh, last 17 games uh, yes. of this year? 28.6 points a game, seven and a half rebounds, 3.2 assists, 1.5 steals over a block a game, 45%, nearly 46% from downtown on 8.5 attempts per game. Um, he had a plus minus average of uh, 6.1. He went off. He was just going off left and right. He actually slowed down a little bit towards the end there. Um, he was up over uh, his average was up over thirty a game, um, go or at thirty exactly a game uh, until his last three. My God, you! I mean, we, we you've said the phrase several times on the podcast already, like best player on a championship team. I, I'm pretty sure, like people may get angry at us putting Jason Tatum this high, but like. Is there any is there any question in your mind that that Jason Tatum could be the best player on a championship team? Because I there isn't in mine anymore. I'd say I'm like ninety percent okay. there, but you know, I mean, he tallied thirty or more points over the course of five straight road games. It's the insane. last guy to do that was LeBron James. No, that's insane. He's, he's he figured it he's out. So talented. So yeah, and he's he's twenty two, I believe. He is um, 22, and he he literally just turned 22. He turned 22 on March 3rd. Yeah. So there's still there's still more to go. It's like, you know, he's everything you want in, like, a, a person, too. Like, all of the shit that was happening in Boston, did we ever hear, like, word one about, like, Tatum or any of, like, issues coming? No, it's nothing. He's nope. not, nothing but good stuff. Um, okay, our last two. Um, did you? We, it's Luca one, Zion two. Was there any any thought to you to wanting to swap these guys? Not really. Yeah, neither, neither, just, not for me either. Just because Luca has done more at the NBA level than I think you could say Zion has, as good as as great as Zion has been in his limited time there, I, it's just hard to it's hard to look at Luca and have someone eclipse him just based on the small sample size that we have seen yeah. from Zion. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll put it to this way. Like, and maybe if anything, there's a, there's a better argument for putting Tatum above Zion. Um, because like we talked about a lot of players, a lot of potential. There's precisely two guys on this list that if you told me they were, you know, raising the, uh, 
let's see, what would it be? The 2021 NBA championship trophy in uh, whatever, whenever that's going to take place, June, July, August of, of 2021. Like it's Luca and, and Jason Tatum would be the two guys that I think it would be possible. And you know what? Maybe that's not giving Zion enough credit. Who knows? Maybe he's, Maybe it's it. Maybe what we saw in how many games did he play? Uh, he played 19 games. Um, maybe that was all completely real. Um, and there is not going to be any drop off. And he was just getting his feet wet. Uh, and he's not even in shape yet. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel I think I think Zion's going to be pretty good. <laughs> Let's just say that. But no, he was there was no discussion for me for between one and two. Um. All right. Anything we we talked about beforehand? If like we're gonna parlay this into a conversation about like the Knicks building going forward, I feel like we already talked about that. Anything else we got to talk about before we get out of here? Ling- no, lingering I, I last thoughts. Just it's so it's so vital for the Knicks to do well in the next couple drafts. That's and it's it's harder to do when talent might be limited in this one. The twenty twenty one one is obviously built as a very good one, but it's um. Yeah, quality over quantity. That's that's the way I look at it in terms of moving forward and finding cheap talent. Because the one thing I will say in terms of the Jaw and Brandon Ingram con- uh, discussion is, and I'm I'm 100 with you with Jaw from this factor. Having three years of control versus the guy who's getting paid this upcoming summer that's a huge difference. So yeah, obviously there's a difference between Memphis and New Orleans, but then again there really isn't from a free agent perspective. So yeah, that's if, true. If you're focusing on developing talent, New Orleans has more talent, and yet Memphis is the one in the driver's seat for the eighth seed. So yeah, it'll be fun seeing them go back and forth for four games a year for the next uh, ten years, fifteen years, hopefully, hopefully a very long time. Yeah, the, I guess the lingering final last thought for me is like when you sit down and you you try to do list like this and god knows you know we'll probably look back at this in a year or two and be like ha a couple of idiots we were um but i i think when you try to do it it's you really you really look at like all right what it, who are the guys on this list that have something that you can't teach and like are the things that they aren't good at like like, yeah, Trey Young is maybe the worst defender in the entire NBA. That's probably not an understatement. Yet, we probably did him a disservice by putting him at six purely because he has a special shot and he is special with the ball in his hands. That's it. It's those two things. Like, so looking at like this upcoming Knicks draft, um, you know, and I, I've been big on like, yeah, whatever, whether they get the first pick or the third pick or the seventh pick or the 10th pick, it doesn't really matter. More and more, I, I think I'm on the train of like, if they could get LaMelo Ball, who again, I, I, I trust the people that do this for a living as opposed to my own instincts. Like he possesses the one skill in this draft that you really can't teach and is like a special, 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 like day one top five passer in the league level skill. Um I will like I I want that. Um I want that on my team to try to cuz again if 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 that like he's a he's a jump shot away from being on next year's top 10 of this list, I guess. Maybe is the probably best way to put it. So. 
Um, that's it. That's all I want to say. Um, we we went. Oh, eh, you know what? This could have turned into like an, a debacle of a two hour thing. An hour and twenty minutes is not. That's not terrible, right? Yeah. It's no, I think some of that was even just us. Yeah, we, we were bullshitting yeah, so. beforehand. So um, this was good. I was looking forward to this, and it did not disappoint. I'm happy we had this conversation. Um, if you are still listening, which hopefully you are, um, feel free to. Um, I never say this, and I should say this, but you know, rate the podcast, review the podcast, give us stars, however that stuff works. I don't, I don't review or rate podcasts myself, which, but I'm asking you to do that. Um, but more importantly, you know, go in and find the, the Twitter link where I post this and, uh, you know, respond with comments of, of like what you, what you think. It would be cool if maybe even Jeremy and I could have like a segment of um, maybe even our next show where we, we like, you know, go through some um, some of your thoughts on this list and like, would you guys have uh, someone much higher, much lower, someone on the list? We forget about anybody. I, I don't think we did, but you never know. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll. We, uh, we did. What's that? We, we did. We forgot about someone. Who do we forget? Forgot about the Titans. <laughs> Just, and on that note. Um, thank you, Jeremy Cohen. You are awesome. Thank you to our extraordinary producer. Um, are we? You're, are you going on? You're, you're not going on this week, right? I'm not. Uh, okay. Yeah. But you're. You but you're going to go on a future one. Okay. Well, we, yes. um, we should. We should say if you're not already listening to uh, Andrew Claudio's um, Final Score podcast, that's another fantastic podcast experience. He also produces the show. So big shout out to. Him. Um, I will be guesting on his pod this this week. Um, that's it. Thank you for listening, and we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Yeah.